Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. Hi, I'm editor Jessica Popovac. If you lived in Chicago in 2008, you might remember an ambitious environmental plan that came from an unlikely champion. To me, the environment is extremely important, and I hear a lot of people giving a lot of speeches and talks and conferences, but the best thing is to lead by example. That's former Mayor Richard M. Daley. His so-called climate action plan made national news. Mayor Richard Daley is working to make this enormous teeming city the greenest city in America. Daly set more than 30 goals for the city to hit by 2020. They ranged from things like reducing emissions to boosting recycling and even building thousands of green roofs. Ecologist and curious citizen Allison Anastasio has been following the progress on Daly's climate action plan for years. She uses it in her classes at the University of Chicago, where she lectures. This plan was really grounded in rigorous scientific research. Um, And so that made me feel really great about the plan. And so since I want to teach students evidence-based policy, right, this is a really great example of that. But of course, in 2011, just three years after he launched this big initiative, Daley left office. And when Mayor Rahm Emanuel took over, he came in with his own environmental agenda. And it did not include Daley's old climate goals. Some say Emmanuel just took a different approach. But others, like Sadhu Johnson, who led Daly's efforts, well, he had a different take. My sense is that it didn't have the same level of attention and investment after uh, Daly's time. Emmanuel also shut down the Department of the Environment, the agency that was supposed to be keeping the climate plan on track. All this worried Allison a lot. So as the target date for those 2020 goals approached, she wrote into Curious City asking... Whatever happened? I'm wondering how the city of Chicago is doing now and how our metrics measure up to what was in that plan originally. Curious City reporter Monica Eng spent weeks digging into this, and she's here with me now. Hi, Monica. Hey, Jessica. And we've also invited Allison Anastasio into the studios to tell her what we found. Hi, Allison. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Monica. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. So, Monica, you essentially found that no one was keeping track of all of these goals and that you'd have to go searching for the information yourself. Can you tell us how you did that? So what we ended up doing was talking to dozens of city, local, and state agencies to get this information. We talked to local nonprofits. We read through piles of reports. We filed FOIA requests and tracked down retired public officials to get some answers. And when I say we, I mean me and our incredible intern, Mackenzie Crossan. So, Monica... 
How are we as a city doing? Well, it was a mixed bag. Uh, We gave the city a pass, fail, or incomplete on each goal. And on the soft goals, like encourage Chicagoans to take easy steps to reduce their emissions, the city did okay. It got mostly passes. But when it came to hitting super specific targets with numbers attached, the city failed on more than half of them. Okay, looking over this 2008 plan, there are more than 30 specific goals. So let's just pick a few highlights here in the categories of energy efficiency, transportation, and pollution. So let's start with energy efficiency, meaning energy-efficient buildings and construction. I I definitely remember green roofs being a huge thing in 2008. Mayor Daley famously put a green roof on top of City Hall, and it got national attention. But Allison, you're not just a question asker, but the environment is your field. Can you tell us why green roofs are even important? What's the connection? So green roofs actually are um, a pretty great thing in the Midwest. They help to reduce the urban heat island. And um, having plants uh, on top of uh, a roof will also decrease the amount of energy it costs to cool a building. Well, the goal for green roofs was to have 6,000 of them by 2020. And guess how many green roofs Chicago came up with? Okay, so the goal was 6,000. What do you think, Allison? 2,000. 600. We're about 600. So about a tenth of the goal. Um, And I have to say that in 2017, the city took requirements for green roofs off of some of its permitting uh, applications and said that it was sort of optional after that. So when it's not mandatory, people don't do it. And boy, we did not hit that mark. So I know that planting trees was another really big part of this climate action plan. Allison, can you tell us, as someone who teaches this stuff, why is planting trees part of the energy efficiency goals? I think that uh, tree canopy in urban areas are really critical for uh, urban heat, and they provide so many other really important functions in urban areas. Uh, Having trees around is actually a really terrific public health goal, not just uh, to help us in the face of climate change. And there was a real number on it. They wanted to plant one million trees. Everybody remembers that (laughs) from the the big 2008 rollout. Um, And, well, Allison, how do you think we did? Hmm. Uh, My guess is we did not plant one million trees And I also wonder how the effect of the emerald ash borer on lots of trees that already existed plays into this number. Well, Allison, you're right. The city did not do very well on this. According to figures we collected from the Bureau of Forestry and the Park District, the city planted just over 100,000 trees. And that's well short of the one million tree goal. And when you look at all the numbers of those trees that were taken down and planted, we actually have a net loss. Here's former Commissioner of the Environment, Suzanne Malik-McKenna. I also think our urban forest has not gotten a lot of love in these past eight years. As a matter of fact, there's been a a deficit of 8,900 trees a year. Uh, So there's, you know, you cut down trees because you have to, and we have emerald ash borer, but then you plant trees. But the landscape ordinance, from what I understand, has not been enforced in a while. Okay, and when she's talking there about the lack of enforcement of the landscape ordinance, she's talking about trees lost to development. You know, they say that there are a certain amount of trees you have to plant when you build new buildings. But according to Suzanne, that has not been happening. I have to say my mind is boggled a little bit, um, and that's really disappointing. 
Okay, next up, transportation. One thing the Daily Plan aimed to do was boost CTA ridership by a third. Um, they wanted to get more people out of their cars to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So how did we do on that? Well, not so well. Daily wanted to boost CTA ridership by 30%, but instead it's down by almost 10%. But John Greenfield, who covers transportation in the city for the Reader and Streets blog, said it's not entirely the city's fault. Well, something totally unprecedented happened, something totally unexpected, which was the rise of ride hailing, Uber and Lyft, um, which has had a really devastating effect on transit ridership. And he said that devastating effect has happened all over the nation, everywhere they have ride-hailing services. Plus, gas has been relatively cheap, so they wanted to get people out of their own cars, and maybe they did, but they didn't get them out of Lyft and Uber cars. I mean, that makes complete sense. There are lots of benefits to ride-hailing, especially as someone who lives on the far south side where taxis are not very plentiful. But it would be great if, like, the red line extended further on the south side. All right, so the final category. Ready? Pollution. And in that category, the Daily Plan also targeted increasing green infrastructure to help manage stormwater and reduce the amount of sewage that seeps into our waterways every time it rains. But it also mentions recycling, so reducing waste going to landfills. Yep, so this was probably one of the most ambitious goals of the whole plan. Daly wanted us to recycle like 90% of the city's waste by 2020. Now, part of that would be construction waste, and that is a huge deal in Chicago. We're still waiting on a records request that we filed on that. But when you look at residential waste, the the cans and the bottles from our houses, we are only recycling 9% of that rather than 90%. It's the worst rate of any large city in the nation and a huge fail. Well, given the size and the energy behind this effort, is there any silver lining to to take away from all of this? Well, I recently talked to Howard Lerner of the Environmental Law and Policy Center, and he's done some surveys on this that show that that climate change plan, it really put the issue on the radar of Chicagoans, everyday Chicagoans. And that might have been the strongest legacy it had. Chicagoans' attitudes on the environment have really shifted. Uh, We've polled Chicago residents Women, men, north side, south side, west side, all races, strong concerns about the environment. Chicagoans want strong climate change solutions, and they want the city to be a leader moving forward. Well, that's hopeful. And now here we are, new mayor, new decade. Uh, What do we know about Lightfoot's priorities? Well, you might have noticed that in her inaugural speech, she didn't really mention the environment. But I I got to talk to her when she was Lori Lightfoot, the candidate. And she told me that she was really upset that Mayor Rahm Emanuel had killed the Department of Environment and that she planned to reconstitute it. And she seemed really intent on, you know, changing the course of environmental leadership in the city. And I think what we've learned is that policy and leadership really matter here. Allison, what are your takeaways? That's actually something that we talk about with my students, which is like the most important individual action that you can do is not recycle or, you know, ride your bike to work, but it is to vote and to have uh, leaders in place that are going to make these effective policies because the people who are doing the damage are not you and me, right? It's corporations. It's the industry that's that you can't even find the numbers on. Allison Anastasio is an ecologist and a lecturer 
at the University of Chicago. Allison, thank you so much for joining us here in the studio, and thank you for your question to Curious City. I appreciate that Curious City took this on. I think it's a really important question. Uh, I appreciate your hard work. Anytime. And you can see a comprehensive breakdown of our reporting on the 2008 Climate Action Plan, including all kinds of data at wbez.org slash Curious City. Reporting for this story came from Monica Eng and Mackenzie Crossan, and support for Curious City comes from the Conant Family Foundation. I'm Jessica Puppebeck. Oh, and while we have you, we want your rat stories. Have you had a run-in with a rat or rats that surprised you, amused you, or left you a little rattled? <laughs> Share your story with us at 888 888- 789-7752 or curiouscity at wbez.org. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Through Line wherever you get your podcasts.